Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is the 19th of March. We're rolling along. We're all in our homes, and we're finding things to do with ourselves, and it feels like every day we start to settle just a little more, just a little more. And in this time, um, I started writing again, um, gosh, if you can imagine, more about love. And the things I've been writing are way, way beyond what I could have thought to ever write about. And I hope to share it with you next week during the radio shows. But this morning, what I got was that we only have our children for 18 years. And as duh as that sounds, like we all know that, we don't really stop to think of what we're giving them. And I just, in the middle of the night last night, I realized that I did not post the Dream Theme Thursday post for the radio show. And usually if I don't do it right after the show, I think I've done it because I usually do it then. And in my sleep, I'm like, did I post that? I don't think I did. So it woke me up and I came down and I posted the show. And I got three dreams. One of them is from Sky Sheridan. And he is one of those people who can't find enough ways to give back to our world. And he said, my dream, and this is a real dream and possibly a sleep dream, but a space and time that we learn how to take care of ourselves and the others, grow food, be good collaborators, and share with our community Give every child a reason to smile in every life on the planet, the reverence it deserves. That being said, all I have been hearing in my head in the past few days in terms of repetition is that if one person is still hungry in our world, we all haven't done our job. And the interesting part about that is For the very first time, we are doing things we should be doing all along. And we're housing the homeless. And we are, you know, not deporting people right now. And if everything you hear in the news is everything that we've been doing that violates people or allows people even to violate themselves, people who may not be as strong as others, and we're we're balancing out our community. What's interesting to me is when this is over, do we go back and not care again? Do we say we won't have funding for people? Do we say we're going to let up on all the pressure we've put on each human being? So it's going to be interesting because look at what it's taking as we are back at that fork in the road. And it'll be also more interesting to see how we repave it with love. And taking care of ourselves and others, honestly, all we need is to grow food. The fact that someone owns everything you have and you have to pay them to have it, whatever it is, 
or pay a bank or pay and we put these prices on that for the most part doesn't match what people are bringing in especially when you have children it's one thing to live without having to be responsible for a, an entire human being and it's another thing to be responsible at this time in our history because you almost don't know how much you can do or if you're ever doing enough or however that all plays out as we have our children for those 18 years. Because whatever we do for them in these 18 years is the world we're going to live in once they are past that age. So it's been interesting. So thank you for that dream because it is a dream worth having. I have another dream from Liam. And he said, I had a dream. I was in New York and my mother and brother were there. I went to see Metallica, and after it, I met James Hetfield, the singer and guitar player of the band, and he signed something for me, and I met his wife and told her thank you for that. Then I was in Dublin, and I was walking down the street, and I saw a formal football footballer who's well-known from my local town, and he was smoking a cigarette, something he would never do in real life, and he said, Hi, Liam. I stopped and talked to him and told him my brother goes to all the games. Then I was back in New York and I got lost from my family and I eventually found a guy who gave me directions. I found my way to a restaurant and in there was you, Nadia, Todd, Lisa, and Tarek, and you guys were waiting for a friend to come along. You seemed a bit unhappy for me to be coming in on your party like that. I asked Lisa if I could use her phone. I didn't want to ask you because you didn't seem pleased. I was trying to ring my mom, but no matter how many times I would try and dial the number, it would go wrong. I hit a five instead of a four, etc. I tried about 15 times and it wouldn't go in, and then Todd tried and he couldn't get it to work. So I walked out and left with a smile on my face and said, good luck. I met high school acquaintances, Sion, Vivian, and they gave me directions. I ended up in what looked like a bad part of town. I couldn't remember if I ended up there before or after I met Sion and Vivian. There were people with guns, etc. I got out fast. I then found my way to a bar where school friends, Ian, his mother, who was my math teacher in school, and Ronan were there. Ronan gave me directions. They were just about to start playing music. A lady I worked with in Crossmolina was working behind the bar. I tried to use her phone and it wouldn't work like before, and she tried and it didn't work. I said to Margaret jokingly, I'm getting you flustered, and she said, you're getting me flustered and I'm getting you flustered will always be the same end of dream. It's interesting, all the ins and outs you have going on here, but your whole dream is like nothing is as it seems. You start, you see a concert, you're in New York, you're with your mother, your brother's there, but then that stability, that foundation disappears. And then there you are, you know, talking to a player, a a baller who's smoking a cigarette who never would smoke a cigarette so that isn't as it seems then you run into us in new york which also 
is is probably far fetched, but you also feel that I was unhappy on you coming into the party like that, which isn't as it seems, because I'm never unhappy greeting. And then um, asked Lisa if you could use her phone, but then the phone didn't work, so you you couldn't find your mom, and then you know you couldn't find your mom through yet another phone, no matter who you met, no matter who you saw, high school acquaintances, people from your past, but you couldn't get to your mom. Even though other people tried, they also couldn't get you home. It's interesting how, you know, it's like you got lost and you were looking for where you belonged. And also to feel that people weren't happy greeting you or that you frustrated people. And and there's something about never assuming when nothing is as it seems. It really is, isn't it, as it seems. When we assume that we are making other people feel a certain way or we see people doing things they normally wouldn't do in our dreams, it's just telling us, you know, hey, scale back, scale back. Nothing is as it seems. When you were with your mom and your brother and you felt safe and you felt complete that you had people around you that you trust, you were able to just interact normally with the people at the concert. But when you lost them, you felt like wherever you went, you, you either weren't welcome or you were, you were flustering people. But nobody actually greeted you that way. That was your thinking that you were assuming for others what they were thinking of you. And at the end of it, the person said, hey, you know what? You fluster me, but I also fluster you. Like this is an even exchange here. So it's an interesting thing that when we think we are deciding for other people what they think, we feel unhappy because we've decided for them. They did not say anything to bring that on. And yet in the interaction in the restaurant, One of us did help you, and it was the one you either asked or volunteered to do so. In the end, it was the person that you decided you were getting her flustered, and she was like, hey, you know, it goes both ways. So it's, it's just to let you know that when you're happy, you will receive happiness. When you're doubtful, you'll receive doubtfulness. And when you decide for other people what they're thinking, you will receive what you think they're thinking. Really think about that because we, we, our energy, even though it may not talk in words, it talks in how we present ourselves. Sometimes we present ourselves and we feel real confident and then we come home and it's not a mistake that we say, wow, I had a great day. It was because you felt good. So everything you saw, you saw through that lens. But let's say you wake up and you're like, gosh, I'm so tired, I don't want to go. And you're like just complaining. Or you get in and you say, oh, these people are having a party, I just jumped in on them. So you decide that you're a problem. You decide how other people feel for them. And then you react to that. And then you go home and you're like, gosh, I had such a kind of off day. Everywhere I went, I felt off. Well, you were off. I know in myself that happens to me. I know once I went, I drove, I'll never forget this, two hours to go to a party and I walked in and I thought, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. And I decided that. 
It felt so off to me, and I left. But how do I know if I stayed? A lot of times I've gotten a feeling like that, and I couldn't leave. I was with other people, and I ended up having a great time. But because I decide certain things, it felt really good for me to leave that day. But how do I know? And the fact that you end up in a bad part of town and you see some of your past, and someone from your past actually helped you. And there's, you know, all these little ins and outs here. You're meeting a lot of people. Let your your opinions of what other people think of you subside. When you ask for directions, you get them. When you ask to use a phone, you got it. When you ask for an autograph, you got it. When you said you flustered someone, they came back with a positive response. We we are the ones exchanging that energy And the most important thing is here that everywhere you asked for something, you received it. Nobody was unhappy with you, but you decided that actually that I was unhappy with you. And I just, you know, really, really love that kind of detail gives us the the look at not deciding for other people what they feel. If I ever get a feeling like that, I'd be like, oh, wow, did I interrupt? Did I do this? I ask the question because then it takes that energy and it puts it on the table and then we can deal with it. And we don't have to keep going. We don't have to keep asking. We don't have to keep pushing. We just have to have the confidence so that wherever we go, we feel like we've left and done everything we can. Because not being able to reach your mom was saying, hey, I can't get back to my foundation. Where's my foundation? Oh, this is my foundation. This is my foundation. When we call our moms, when we need our moms, when we want our moms, when we seek our moms, it takes us back to being that child again. Like, oh, this world is a little busy for me. Let me, let me be that child. Let me be protected. And a lot of us, when our moms are alive, which is a gift, um, no matter how old they are, no matter how frail they are, they are still a source of strength for us just for the mere fact that they exist. Because as long as our mothers exist, we get to stay a child We get to stay a child. And the feelings we have for others tend to stem from the fact that our moms still are here. I know that sounds weird, but I also know that when I lost my mom, I had to redefine myself. I didn't know that, and it took me a long time to do that. To not have her in my life, in my conversations, in my days. Standing that we get what we ask for. Never assume for other people what they're thinking. And you will be able to find what you 
are saying you're looking for in life, directions, a way to get back home to your mom. I found over time, after talking to so many people, that when we spend a lot of our time thinking about what other people think, nine times out of ten, we're wrong. Because nine times out of ten, we assume they're thinking something negative. A lot of times when I go back to those people, let's say I'm talking to a husband and wife or two friends, and one says, well, I keep feeling that you think I keep messing up or I'm not doing things right or you're always critical. And you talk to the other person and the other person says, wow, I wasn't thinking that at all. Oh, my God, no wonder we're having issues. We don't know how to communicate. It's never as bad as we decide it is. Oh, nobody wants to talk to me. How do you know that? When we say nobody wants to talk to us, really, we haven't gone to talk to them. We're just standing there waiting for someone to talk to us. And if nobody does, then nobody wants to talk to us. Because we decided that nobody wanted to talk to us. But when you talk to your friends in the bad part of town, still gave you directions. But it started with the guy who's smoking who would never do that in real life. So nothing is as it seems. So the the whole nuts and bolts of this is assumptions. And at the end, assuming that you were getting someone frustrated. That's like this weird, powerful thing you can say. Like, wow, I'm affecting you and I'm getting you frustrated or I'm getting you mad. No, you're not. No, you're not. But you've decided that that's what you're doing. And then you tell other people how they're feeling. And she's like, you're getting me frustrated, but I'm getting you frustrated too. And we'll always be the same. So just the reciprocal, not just deciding for other people, but letting other people be part of that conversation. And she flattened that that um, statement, like you deciding for her that she was frustrated that, well, okay, great, but I'm getting to you too. I'm getting to you too. So it's an interesting dream, but it's good to reciprocate and never assume. I hope that helped. And I have one more dream, and it is from Susan. It's so cool because I was concerned that because I put the dreams up so late that I wouldn't have um, dreams. And then, boom, we just made it happen. So thank you, everyone, for that. So here's Susan's dream. She says, I dreamt a crazy dream about my boyfriend being eaten by crocodiles. I grabbed his hand to pull him out of the pond, but it was too late. I pulled out his torso. I put his head in my lap and cried. My heart was full of sadness. I just knew that there was nothing I could have done. I woke up feeling really detached from my own emotions. Not sure if there's anything positive in this one, much love. You know, it's funny because you would look at that dream and say, this doesn't have to be positive or negative because that's really not what dreams are telling us. 
But they are definite reflections, just like the last dream, you know, assuming for other people how they feel. That's a very powerful message because you got to realize that life is actually a lot better than we think it is. But if we think that things aren't in our favor, we start to react that way, right? Well, in this dream, you're just flat out saying, gosh, I'm in a situation that I don't know if I want to be in or not. I dreamed that you got devoured so that I could not have you back. But then at the end of it, I cried over it. I cried for it. But in truth, when we dream that somebody dies, it gives them life. It's like this part of them may have died, a part of their way of thinking, or it just may be gone now. They're, they're like grown, and you see that go away. And all you had left was part of his body, which I can't even imagine the dream. It probably felt so gruesome as you were dreaming it. It was like your worst thought put out into pictures. And you cried over him once he was gone. But it had to be this extreme so that you could feel there was nothing you could have done. And the reason that's big is because it goes back to something like indecisiveness. Do I want to be there or don't I? Oh, my gosh, he got killed. Well, that just made the decision for me. Now I can't help it. Oh, wow, the decision has been made. Wow, it was made and I didn't have to make it. It just, the alligator ate him. So now I can cry for its passing, but I had nothing to do with it. It's like letting responsibility go for a decision you couldn't make or can't make. Really think about that. Really think about it. Are you stuck? Are you waiting for something to come in and make a decision for you, whether it's with your boyfriend or something else in your life? And then do you feel sad if decisions are made for you and you didn't make them? So you're kind of putting yourself in an interesting spot, right? I don't know what to do here, but now that something else decided it for me, I feel sad. But... There's nothing I could have done. So in life, go to real life now. Let's build a bridge from this dream to real life. What do you feel in your relationship that you feel you cannot control and that you would like something bigger than you to make that decision for you? And then another question, does this happen to you when you are in relationships? Never sure if this is it. It's like this underlining feeling when your your heart was sad because usually in a dream, when we start dreaming of these like 
horrible fates that just sound, they're, they're just unbelievably horrible. But why didn't the alligators get you too if you were able to pull out the torso of the other person? How did you oversee that and just pull him out as though you weren't there? And then you get him and you only get half of him physically. And now you're sad and you're grieving, but you also realize there's nothing you could have done, which is the biggest thing in here was to let go of that decision. But yet the decision was made. So where in there do you live? Are you somewhere you don't want to be? And you feel like it's so big, it's bigger than you, that it's consuming you to the point that you're eating up, eating you up, that you're not sure what to do. Do you actually want to do anything? Or do you do this all the time when you're in a relationship or not? This is like the land of questions. When we are in a relationship and every time we get in a relationship, we just jump in with both feet. We feel swallowed up because one day we wake up and we're like, wow, I haven't done my routine for like two months or five months. Kind of miss my old self. Well, how do I do that? How do I just jump in? Where do I go? Well, it's so much fun and I'm so curious and I'm learning that person and, and, and we're doing all this stuff together. And that happens when everything we want in life we want too soon. We want to be that old couple in two months. We want things to work out in two months. We want to make life decisions very quickly. But in truth, two people meet that do stay together forever or a long, long time. When they meet each other, it's not like that that intensity. It's a knowing. It's like, no, this is where I am. And you start to learn the person and they learn you. And as you grow, you start thinking, oh, you know what? You get these little glimpses of, I can do this. But because it happens slowly and you weather some storms, you work out some bugs, you learn to trust, and over time you tell a little bit more about yourself as it's appropriate instead of just an entire download in the beginning, those relationships have a rhythm but when it's all or nothing the way you're going to leave makes you feel like you're one swallowed up and two you have to get away just to reclaim yourself and in truth all of that has nothing to do with anyone but you and then we get sad when it's all gone but we don't know how to have all of it. And it's because it's impossible to go from zero to 60 and stay at 60 
for the duration of the relationship. It has to calm down at some point. And some of us mistake that calming down with we're not attracted anymore when really we're starting to feel that comfort and that trust that we can build a life with this person. But if we wake up every day with the question of yes, no, maybe so, we're going to have yes, no, maybe so as a relationship. If we're questioning it every day, do I want to stay? Well, you know, I'm feeling a little whatever every single day. And we, we, we just, it's not Groundhog Day when it's in a relationship we want to stay in. But it's a lot about how we start because people will write me that they just met someone a week ago and they're totally in love. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 back up. You're totally incurious right now. You know nothing about this person that has challenged your thoughts. And getting to know yourself in relationships. Do I come in so intense that it can't sustain? And then when the intensity wanes, so do I. I have to ask. Ask the question. You guys, I love you guys. I will see you tomorrow on Questions Friday. Have a great Thursday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.